So we've been in a series. <laughs> I'm noticing the older I get, the tougher that step is. That's great. It moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they grew the freca. That's Margarita the freca. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. So I got, a, I got a quick question. We started this series about seven weeks ago. And the name of the series is called No More Besetting Sins or No More BS for short. And so what we're saying in this series is that we're saying that we no longer want to go back to our besetting sins. What is a besetting sin? A besetting sin is those sins that call on our name, tug on our hearts, pull on our will, and that we keep on going back to even though we know that it's going to be empty and painful and vain. For some of us, it's as subtle the besetting sin that we come back to is as subtle as bitterness. And for others, it's as overt as crack. But whatever it is, we want to say no more to that. Now I have one question for you. Who here, since we started in the last seven weeks, has fallen to at least one of their besetting sins in the last seven weeks? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, okay, good. I'm glad that some of us are honest. Okay, good. All right. So here's what I wanted to, here's why here's what I wanted to ask that. It's like, me too, number one, me too. And number two, I want you to know that this doesn't end. This process doesn't end when the series ends. The series ends today. But it doesn't end when we end the series. We desperately need Jesus. And we need him over and over and over again. And Jesus' presence is not contingent on my success. Jesus' presence is contingent on the success or the, or the triumph that he made on the cross. His triumph then becomes our triumph. This is super, super important because I never want us to be a church of people who project this perfect image, this excellent, perfect image. I want to be broken. It's why every week I try to confess something to you that makes you think, I don't know if he should be a pastor. And so I do that every week to remind us that this is not a gathering of people who have it all together. This is a gathering of broken people who desperately need Jesus and are pursuing him by his grace. So that's super important. I want us to just sort of receive that. We're going to do a 30,000-foot overview of what we've just talked about these last seven weeks. We started off this series. If you're here for the first time, we're so grateful that you're here. We absolutely love that you're here. Please stay. We want to grow together. We want to grow together. And we need each other for that. Okay. So um, we started off this series with sort of an overarching set of principles that we needed to be able to look at in order to go forward. And we said the besetting sin, like I defined before, is those sins that we keep coming back to that we, need, that we know are not going to deliver, but that we still fall to anyway. So with, those, uh, with that in mind, we said that we have to have this overarching principle, and we even gave it uh, hand gestures, right? We said we need to think out, we need to... Dig down, dig down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dig down and then look up. Let's all do that together. We need to think 
out. Come on, even you rebellious people. We need to dig down. Yes, yes. And we need to look up. We said we need to think out the implications of our sins. In other words, when you and I get tempted to go back to, we need to play the whole tape all the way through. Did we ever sin in this way before? Yeah. Where did it end up? Oh, right. Okay, we need to play the whole tape. We need to think out the consequences. Hey, how is this going to affect my wife? How is this going to affect my children? How is this going to affect my state, my, my, you know, my state of being, my state of thinking? How is this going to affect my job? How is this going to affect? Like, we need to think out the implications for our sins. And then we said, so we said, think out. Then we said, we need to dig down. And what we talked about in digging down is that we need to get to the sin under the sin. I promise you that the sin that you keep on falling back to is not the real problem. Is not the real problem. Um, I was having a, a conversation uh, with somebody, and, um, and they, they have a real serious hip problem. Like, their hip needs to be replaced. And the doctor is saying they're too young to have their hip replaced. Um, so they give them cortisone shots. But I wonder, and, and we didn't have, you know, our conversation was only a half hour, so I didn't ask. But I wonder if the doctor maybe mentioned that his, the fact that he's over 200 pounds overweight has a, something to do with the pain in his hip. See, most of us, when we attack sin, we attack the hip. Give me the shot. Give me the shot for the hip. And then we get the cortisone shot for the hip, and we walk around, and it's like, oh, man, this is great, three months. This is like, this is what you call what people have three months of clean time, right? You go, holy cow, this is great. I, I don't even feel any pain in my hip. But listen, listen, listen. The problem is still persists. You just don't feel the pain of it. And so we don't want to just address the symptom. We want to address the actual condition. We want to address the thing that's causing it. So the, we call it the sin under the sin. That's what we mean by we saying dig down. And we talked about the four idols, and you can check that out in one of the messages. We also talked about um, uh, uh, looking up, finding in Jesus, finding in Jesus the delight that we're looking for in that sin. And so here was the strategy of how we did those. So those three things were played out in these uh, weeks in these uh, six uh, strategies that we've taken. And we're going to talk about the sixth strategy today. So in week one, we said the, the first thing we have to do is we have to avoid. Yeah, we got to avoid the sin, man. You can't, you, we can't set ourselves up. We can't set ourselves up. Others can set us up. That's possible. But one of the things that we want to do is we want to stop setting ourselves up, right? And then the next, we said, we, we need to say a hearty and quick and definite no. no. Yeah, we just, when the temptation comes in, we need to say no. No, we need to stop that train of thought. And we said we have about five seconds. When the temptation comes into your mind, you have about five seconds before, you know, that train of thought goes off the rails, right? And so you want to, you want to address it as quickly as as it comes, right? So we said, first we avoid, then we say no. Then we turn. Yeah, we got to turn from the sin. So finding that, all right, this is a delight, but this is not what, right? And so we're digging deep. We're digging down, rather. And we're finding out what the sin under the sin is. And the fact is, is that the reason that I watch pornography is because I want to be desired, right? The pornography that I watch is for me to be desired, Right. And so I need to go, oh, no, this pornography is not going to deliver for me 
the truth that there's one that does desire me. In fact, he proves it by giving his life and sacrificing it on the cross. So I turn from the sin, which is very prevalent, but I turn from it and I go, oh, no, 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 Jesus, you are the one who satisfies. And there's a million reasons why we do what we do, but that's just one example, right? So we turn from that sin or from what that sin is meant to give us. We ask this question, what am I looking for in this sin that I need to get from Jesus? That's a good question to ask when we get to this point, right? And by the way, I, I don't, it's not like, oh, okay, first say no, and then avoid, and then turn. Listen, if you find yourself uh, face first with a, with a sin, you can turn. You don't have to wait. Like, if you didn't avoid or you didn't say no, yeah, you could turn. I remember I had, oh, man, this beautiful, beautiful pastor, um, uh, Raul Latoni. He, he taught me years ago. I always thought that once I start on the road to acting out, that I got to act out. Like, it's a rule. Oh, well, you started already. You might as well keep going. Has anybody here ever relapsed? It's like, well, you had one beer. Might as well smoke crack. Like, you know, it's like, no, no, you can actually stop. Right? He, he literally taught me. He goes, as far, he, this is what he said to me. He said, as far as, you've go, as far as you've gone is as far as you need to go. That you don't need to add anything else. Isn't that good news? Yeah, Jesus. Okay, so we turn from, okay, to Jesus. Okay, and the, uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys can't probably see this. And so then um, we found that we needed to hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We needed to hold on. That, listen, temptation's going to come. And it's not going to be like, oh, look, I, I, I uh, avoided. And then I said no. And then I turned. And, oh, my gosh, I don't feel that temptation anymore. That's not what's going to happen. It's going to persist. They're not besetting sins for nothing. These are going to continually come back, and we need to hold on. We need to hold on to the one that's holding on to us. Remember the illustration? This is, this is an okay illustration, but um, the, the illustration, the better illustration would be like my, my hand holding on to my son's hand, right? He's a little boy, and if he ever trips, it's me who holds him. If we're crossing the street while I hold his hand, it's me who saves him from a car coming, right? It's, it's the power of my hand. His hand is in my hand, but it's the power of my hand that saves him. Does that make sense? And so it is with the Lord. So we got to hold on, and, and the Lord holds on to us. And then um, last week we talked about delight, enjoying, enjoy. So last week we talked to, we said to enjoy. Yeah, we got to enjoy. We have to develop. We have to cultivate. Do you understand what I'm saying, cultivate? It's not a one-time thing. We got to cultivate a joy in Jesus, a lifestyle of delight in Christ. That if we try to do that, when it's going to be a long road, right? It's, you know, pack a lunch. It's going to be a long road. And so we need to find our joy in Christ and we need to start. What does it look like to wake up and start a lifestyle in joy in Jesus? What does it look like to invest? We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Okay, so today... What could it be? Um, so today we're going to learn, listen, and this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the day. Move. Move. You got to go. You got to follow the spirit where he's leading you. You got to move. Beloved, I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, we have to go where Jesus is leading. Move with the one who's moving on your behalf. Okay, we got to move. All right, what do I mean by move? Okay, so there is a sense where we feel like when temptations come that we're being acted upon and we're like this passive creature who is acted upon and then we have no choice but to act out on sin. Isn't that true, right? Like, you know, so here's your husband. He comes home and he has such an attitude and, and you didn't do anything to him. And so then you got to just like shoot out, right? You got to shoot out a response that is so sinful and that you'll feel bad about, right? You shoot it out because it's like this is, oh, he's forcing me into it. No, no, no. You have to move with the Lord. The Lord will move you. The Lord will lead you. The Lord will direct you. The Lord will encourage you. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will guide you. The Lord will. So we got to move with the Lord. And the opposite, well, not the opposite, but the, if we don't move with the Lord, what we'll find is that no matter what we do over here, we're going to fall. We're going to fall in our sin. And so there's a lot of um, examples in the Bible where the Lord uh, moves on our behalf. In fact, it's, if, I, if I can say that the theme of the Bible is the Lord moving on behalf of rebellious people. But today, I'm, I'm not talking about, uh, I, I don't want to, I want to emphasize that, of course I do. But I want to also point out that, that there is a natural repercussion to being lazy in our fight with sin. That there is, a, that there is um, just yesterday, there was a very famous boxer, Lomachenko. They called him like, he's like one of the greatest living boxers alive. He's like always in the top three when they talk about the greatest boxers alive. And he got the tar beat out. Well, not the tar beat out, but he did get beat by a Puerto Rican guy from Brooklyn. Thank you very much. Takes a Puerto Rican guy from Brooklyn. Uh, takes a Puerto Rican guy from Brooklyn to get her done. But um, it's always the way. It's always the way. I say things like, Jesus is Lord. Y'all say silent. I say Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. Y'all like, oh, my goodness. Y'all are, like, terrible. All right. Okay. So there's a, I, I don't know, but I, I bet you in a couple of days he's going to say, well, I didn't take this fight very seriously. I decided that I wasn't going to train as hard. It always happens like that, right? There is a laziness about fighting sin that we fall into, and I don't care if you're, again, I don't care if you're fighting pornography or depression or uh, I, don't, I don't care what it is that you're fighting. I'm telling you, there's a laziness that overtakes us that if we don't start moving when the Lord says move, if we don't start doing what the Lord says do, we will find ourselves in despair. Now, when my kids were growing up, they, um, I would talk to them. And, you know, like, right, just like David and I were talking yesterday, we saw a guy who was, um, uh, who was actually, like, in the middle of, I can't remember, but it was like a middle of a highway, if you can imagine, a middle of a highway with a cup. I didn't even know, I can't even imagine how he got there. 
but he was there, right? There's a lot of reasons for poverty. You know that, right? There's like systemic injustice. There's um, oppression. There's, there's a lot of reasons. But I have a lot of experience with being poor and with being around poor people. And, and the way, whether, well, let me just say, whether it's addiction or poverty or something like that, a lot of, a lot of times the way we get there is, listen to me, here's how, you, here's how it happens. Here's how a person becomes utterly dependent on alcohol. Here's how a person becomes utterly dependent on crack. Here's how a person becomes absolutely derelict and outside, right? So there's mental problems. There's a, I, I get that. We can have a long conversation. But I'm telling you, I've worked with a lot of poor people for a lot of years, and here's the deal. It's done one small decision at a time. That's how. You go, how did I get here? Here's how it happened. You want to know? One small decision at a time. How did I get this chippy? Here's how it happened. One small decision. How did I end up in this relationship that's so painful? One small. How did I end up homeless? One small One small decision at a time. But you know what the good news is? That the way we grow in saying no to our sin is one small decision at a time. we got to move with the Lord. So I chose the passage today um, that I want us to look at, and I hope it's shocking, and it's talking, because I want to I fight against our spiritual flabbiness. I want to speak against our, our lazy mentality when it comes to being when it comes to being uh, determined to grow in Christ and to turn from sin. We look at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. Okay. Would you all, we have a tradition in our church to stand at the reading of God's word. All right, I'm going to read this. I want you to receive this. Just receive this, okay? I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere, and ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. Here it is. Verse 33. Let's all read this together. Verse 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. Okay, so I want us to look at this verse through the eyes of sin and temptation. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think about your sin and your temptation. Don't get caught up in your husband's sin. 
Don't get caught up in the person sitting next to you or what they work with or what they struggle with. If you can't think of what sin you struggle with, we got more problems than a little bit, okay? Like, I want you to just trust me when I tell you. There's, listen, I am the worst person in this room. I'm the worst person in this room. Everybody here struggles. Everybody here struggles. There's not one person here who doesn't struggle with sin. And so I need us to think, I want us to think about that on your, with what you struggle with. Okay, so here's uh, the wisest man that ever lived. That's the guy who wrote this book. His name is Solomon. Solomon writes this book, and what he's doing is, if you read the very beginning of the book, he's speaking, he's like speaking as a dad to his children. He's going, hey kids, I want you to know this. Do you know why a father would speak to his children in warnings? Do you know why? The reason why is because he wants to prevent what he's warning about. Does that make sense? And so when we hear Solomon, we hear him saying, there's something, I'm an old guy now, and there's something that I've noticed that I want you to watch out for. And so Solomon does this. He says, he gives us the context. One day, he's strolling about. And now you can imagine he wasn't doing much strolling. He was a king. He probably was, you know, taken everywhere in horse and carriage and things like that. But um, he says, I went past the field of the sluggard. The sluggard. By the way, please, this is a... um, I recently committed uh, to my heart to do a study in the book of Proverbs on this word called sluggard. Just find out every time the word sluggard comes up in the book of Proverbs and do a study on that. You might, it might be beneficial to you. Okay, so he goes, I went to this, and, and so there's this, there's this theme, right? So there's this guy, he's called the sluggard. This guy has... Um, this guy has a theme within the book of Proverbs, like he, nothing good happens to this guy. This guy doesn't win at life. This guy is not the one who's like we're looking to as our example. He doesn't get a 30 for 30 uh, film made on him. He doesn't get like, you know, this guy does not, uh, is not the paradigm of uh, virtue and the person that you look to who you want to be like or you want your kids to be like. He's the sluggard. Right? He gives him, uh, Solomon gives him this sort of animalistic uh, characteristic. And he goes, I went past the field of a sluggard. I, I'm sorry, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. So the la- man who lacks judgment is also the sluggard. Okay. And he goes, th- here's what had happened thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds. And the stone wall was in ruins. Okay. So he's just making an observation. This is like super duper important because what I want you to do is observe where your sin has taken you. It just, again, think out. Right? I want you to observe where your sin has taken you. Or if you know someone who's struggling with your sin, where their sin has taken them. I want you to think about that. Solomon actually takes the time to think about how did this vineyard get in disrepair. And for our purposes, I want you to use the word mind for vineyard. How did this mind get so stuck 
How did this mind keep on focusing back on? How did this mind get collected to this? How did that happen? And then he goes, I applied my heart to what I observed, which is what I'm asking you to do right now. Apply your heart to what you observe and learned a lesson from what I saw. So there was a lesson here. Okay, here it is. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. Okay. So there's a sense where God gives us a work to do. There's a sense where God asks us to move in a particular way. There's a sense where God is directing us and leading us and guiding us. And we don't go in that direction. And you know what happens? Walls are broken down. Weeds grow. Thistles are created. In the check, check this out. In the place where there was supposed to be fruit and delight and provision is the same place where destruction and harm and atrophy have taken place. And the way he says is he goes, here's how it happened. A little sleep, not a lot of sleep, a little sleep. A little slumber, not a lot of slumber, a folding of hands. So here's what happens with the sluggard. The sluggard makes incremental decisions, small decisions. That's what I mean by incremental. He makes small decisions over a period of time with a level of consistency that it produces a big outcome. Have you ever met, maybe, maybe this is your mom, maybe this is your dad, maybe this is an older grandma or something like that. Have you ever met a person who's gone on in years and like sitting around them, it, like you could feel the bitterness like radiating from them? Have you ever met that person? Right? Like you, you get around them and there's like this bitterness or this anger or this hate. That did not happen overnight. I have a, a neighbor who got me arrested. Did I ever tell you my arrested story? <laughs> I just wanted to wake you up. So, but it's true. She got me arrested. Did I ever tell you this story? No? Oh. Strap in. This is a barn burner. This is a barn burner. So I, I just moved into, and it's, it, I know why I didn't tell you. I felt such great shame about it. It's taken me seven years to overcome it, but this happened like seven years ago. True story. And, and in fact, I remember exactly when it happened because James was having his church uh, pray over him. And uh, like to like sort of anoint him, and I was supposed to go and speak, but I was in a holding cell. If you can imagine this, it's crazy. You can't make this up. What happened? So there's a, a tree. Uh, in my, I finally get the dream, right? Like uh, I get to buy a house, homeless, you know, uh, three times. Uh, just finally get to buy a house. There's a tree. It's been eaten by termites. Later on, I find out that that same termites have eaten the, at my house. Whatever. I'm getting a, a friend, a dear pastor friend, pays to uh, have the tree cut down because it looks like it's going to crash either on my house or somebody else's house. It's like, so he pays for just as beautiful a gift as you can imagine, right? Guy comes. It's amazing. He starts cutting down the tree. But the way they do it, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody cut down a tree, is that they tie around the stump and then they tie around the tree. So when they cut the stump off, it like swings. Like, you know, it falls down because it can't land on somebody. So it swings and then they in a controlled way, they, they put the rope so that it gets down. They cut it to pieces. They put it in the truck. They haul it away. Got it? Okay. So 
This one is going to swing, and it's obviously, from the trajectory and the, the distance, it's obviously going to hit like a window in my neighbor's house or something bad, right? So uh, the guy goes, hey, you're going to need to stand over there. Where's over there? The there is the yard of my neighbor, right? Who I had, I'm telling you, I, I was in this neighborhood for two, three weeks. So I thought it was my other neighbor, because it's an empty lot. I thought it was my other neighbor who owned the lot because they parked their car there. So I asked them, is it OK? They said, fine. I went there. I'm holding the, the tree. Like, I'm in their yard, right? And I'm holding the thing. And this, this, this person who has incrementally made decisions to become very bitter throughout time, she came. And she started to curse at me in ways that it was like, wow, it was great. So I was like, you know, so I'm like, so like, you know, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, so none of this stuff phases me much anymore. So, but I, I just go, oh, clearly I've offended you. Help me understand. This is my lot. What are you doing here? I'm going to have you arrested. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hold on to this thing. I don't want it to break the thing. All right. So it, so she was so angry and so bitter. And every single time that I've met with her, such a level of bitterness. And I got angry, too, because uh, I got arrested, right? You can imagine. I got angry, too. And then the Lord paused me. And it took a couple of years to pause me. Um, it took a couple of years. I was actually really furious at this. Um, she, again, called the police. They spent two hours with her trying to convince her this is not an arrestable offense. This is he's your next door neighbor. You don't want to create this, blah, blah, blah. She goes, no, 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 he has to get arrested. She, she demands that the sergeant comes over, can't talk her out of it. I go to jail, right? No, I don't go to jail. I go to like a holding cell, and I had a moment with a guy where I had to like, you know, that's another story. That was great. That's great. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. So I started to think on her life, and I started to ask myself, because everybody in the neighborhood, she has a reputation. This is not just me. It's not just me. Everybody in the neighborhood knows that she has a reputation of being a really mean-spirited person. Do you think, do you think that that happened the year that I was cutting down my tree? No. Do you think that happened the year before? No. See, we don't know her story. Like, we don't know if she's ever been raped. We don't know if she's ever been abused. We don't know the words that her mother and father told her. We don't know. We know that she more than likely experienced certain things that are awful. And in experiencing those certain things, she made a decision to move towards bitterness and anger rather than to move towards Jesus. Do you think that anybody in her family can pinpoint the day she went from happy-go-lucky to bitter? No. It happens incrementally, right? Beloved, listen to me. So does getting strung out. So does having $13,000 in debt. So does, so does moving towards divorce. It doesn't happen in one day. So does relapse. So does bitterness. So does acting out on pornography. It doesn't happen in one day. It happens incrementally. You know how it happens? Here's how it happens. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands. That's how it happens. So what we're saying now, then we want to start 
planning to move with Jesus. We want to start moving with Jesus. So something that the Lord put on my heart, I'm going to do a study on the book, on the book, on the topic of uh, sluggard within the book of Proverbs. Do you have a plan to grow in Christ? If so, what is it? You go, yes, I do. I go to a church service every Sunday. And then I lift up my hands and I sing. And then I, I meet with people that I sort of like. And then I go home. And next week I do it all over again. And to you, I would just say, perhaps we need a more robust plan. Perhaps God is leading you. Let me give you one way. Ladies, listen up. Right now, we're going to start a brand new series in, in the women's ministry. And it's on Joseph. Joseph, this is a big deal. Let me tell you something, ladies. You would benefit from this study. If you just went on the uh, uh, phone number um, uh, and the access code, and you would, listen, make time in your schedule. You know what that is? You go, here's a plan. For the next series, and let's say that series is three weeks or three months. I don't know what the series is, but uh, how long the series is going to be. Would, you go, I am going to learn about how to apply God's word to my life by going on this Bible study. And I'll ask questions, and we'll be with the women, and all that other stuff. Do you think that's a plan? Now, that's, that's not like the most robust plan, but it's at least a better plan than folding hands and a better plan than slumber. Does this make sense? Okay. There's, you go, hey, I need to grow in prayer. Did you know? that every weekday, every weekday morning, there is a prayer meeting that you can come to. And you can meet, you go, no, 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 at 9, uh, at 9 a.m. when the prayer meeting's going on, I'm at work. Great. Then what you can do is you can look the next day at 5 in the morning if you wake up at 5 in the morning. You could look the next day at the previous day's, um, at the previous day's uh, prayer. Do you see that? And you can experience it with community, and just go, you know what? I'm just going to grow in love with Jesus. But what's another thing you could do? You know, we have men that meet the same guys. On Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have men that meet on Zoom. And it's like 40, 50, 60 guys that meet, and they learn from the Word of God. Right now, they are studying... Guys, do you think you could use some help in growing on how to make spirit-led decisions? Ladies, do you think your man could grow? Like, don't tell him right now. I'm just saying. Do you think your man could grow in how to make spirit-led decisions? Of course you do. You see, but this is, you know what this requires? A plan. This requires that at 6 o'clock you go, okay, um, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to be working with the kids to get their homework done by 6 o'clock, and then, you know, they're going to have a break for a half hour or whatever, and then, uh, you know, they can watch this show, you can reward them with the show or whatever it is, or, or a game that they could play, and then you go into and you invest your time. It takes a plan. A devotional in the morning takes a plan. Reading through the scriptures 
takes a plan. Listen, here's a plan. Did you know that on Monday, on Sundays, on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Fridays, we have a soup kitchen. In fact, right after this service, you're all going to enjoy the beauty and the wonder of our soup kitchen in just a few minutes. It's going to be delightful. What do we, what do we cook today, guys? Sa say what? Salmon? And white rice? And vegetables? I'm going to end this sermon quick, but here's my point. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's beautiful. Now watch this. That took a plan. That, you know why you're going to benefit? You know like when you're eating your arroz con salmon and do we got any beans in there or no? Just vegetables because we wanted to go help, wanted to go healthful. I thought you were Puerto Rican. It's okay. It's all right. No, no, no. So no, that's great. That's awesome. That's amazing. Now watch this. Listen to me. That was not thought about, that was not thought on a whim. Most of our growth in God, we depend on a whim. You know what I mean? Here's what I mean. You wake up, it's Thanksgiving morning, and you go, I'm going to go to the church and serve. That's a whim. That's not a plan. You go, you wake up in the morning, you go, I think I'm going to read my Bible. That's a whim. That's not a plan. You go, you know what? I think I'll attend that group. Oh, you know what? I think I'll go to church this Sunday. Or you know what? I think I'll do, you know, that's a whim. We need to go where God is going, lead, uh, allow him to lead us to where he would have us to go. We need a plan. And the opposite of planning is a sluggard of just saying, by osmosis, it'll happen one day, one, one way. I, I'll grow up. Guys, it doesn't happen that way. So here's what I want you to know. That this person who folds his hands, who sleeps a bit, who, this person, poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. In other words, you won't see it coming. You won't see it coming. It's, you'll, you'll, you'll wonder how you got here. You'll wonder how you got here. Beloved, I want you to move with the Lord. Move in community. Move in prayer. You go, I don't know how to read my Bible. Great. That's why we're here. We'll serve you in this way. You go, I don't know. I, I, I need to serve. Look, if you just, if, if you meet with Zach, Zach, would you raise your hand? Zach right there in the back. Zach is coordinating all of our volunteers. That means, say for instance, you're like, nah, nah, I don't want to feed the poor. I don't like doing that sort of thing. Cool beans. Can you answer a phone? Do you, can you type? Can you, you know, can you reasonably work on a computer? Can you smile and greet people when they walk in an office? If you can do that, you can serve in our office ministry. And there's a million things to do. Can you fold clothes? We get bags and bags of clothes for, uh, to, to donate for um, babies. Can you, do, can you fold clothes? Hey, these seats have all been sterilized. And not sterilized. Sterilized is the wrong word. Um, sanitized. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, these seats have all been sanitized. You go, you know what? I really feel the spirit of the Lord when I got some Clorox in my hand and I'm scrubbing things down. That's awesome. But watch this. But not just, not just going to Zach and saying, Zach, I need your help with making a plan to grow in service. 
See, the way we're going to defeat our temptation, the way we're going to defeat our sin is not by sitting back and waiting for temptation to come and hoping we can overcome it. The way we're going to do it is by planning to grow in Jesus. And that is done day by day, decision by decision, hour by hour. Beloved, Jesus, Jesus, who saw you and I running away from him, had a plan. A plan before the foundation of the world. And this plan was executed by him with great pain and great sacrifice so that you might be blessed to know him. Beloved, if he worked out a plan for you, do you think he can work out a plan for you to grow in you? Do you think that that's possible? Of course he will. Work, move with Jesus. Move where he would have you go and find in Jesus what you need. Not by osmosis, not by surprise, but by planning and moving and community, working with Christ. Yes? All right. So this is the end of our series. We're going to say no. And listen, I need you to remember this because we're going to need this beyond this week, right? When the, when the temptations come, what's going to happen? We're going to say no. Then we're going to avoid. We're going to avoid. First thing we're going to do is we're going to avoid. Then we're going to say no. Then we're going to then we're going to, then we're going to enjoy, then we're going to move. All of this empowered by Jesus to do every bit of what we just said. I'm so grateful for you guys. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that you have given us this opportunity to be together and, and Lord, just pause and just kind of think about what strategies we have, what Strategies we have to serve others, what strategies we have to grow in Jesus, what strategies we have for maturing, and how we can move with you. Lord, um, Lord, in my own heart, I know that it's been my sluggardliness, my laziness, that has kept me from growing to where you want me to grow. I want that for myself. Remind me that Jesus has done every single thing that I need. That none of the things that we've asked for in this series is done divorced from Jesus. That Jesus said no to hell and yes to salvation. That Jesus did not avoid pain but actually walked towards it so that he could win us to himself. That Jesus turned to us so that we might find strength and encouragement in turning to him. That Jesus held on to the cross, not because of nails, but because of his love for us. And he executed a liberation for us that we could not do on our own. That Jesus was the one who drank the cup of sorrow and grief so that we can enjoy delight and wonder and that Jesus was the fa in fact the one who moved towards us with a plan 
so that we can move towards him. We thank you, Lord, for not uh, leaving us to our own devices, but drawing us to yourself. Remind us that all of this happens in Christ, by his power and his will. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.